Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. You know, we keep, uh, we talked about there for a while. You can be seated if you can. We were talking about frequently there on Wednesday nights about God expanding our ability to worship Him and increase our capacity for worship. And I just want to encourage you, the monitors can come down a little bit, um, but I want to encourage you to allow God to increase your capacity for worship. You know, the, we, the, the, how awesome, how awesome is it that God calls us boldly before his throne, that we can be, we can have public displays of affection with Jesus. You know, they, growing up, they always said, no PDA. <laughs> but we can have PDA with Jesus. We can have public displays of affection with Jesus. We can be bold in our worship. We can come boldly, the Bible says, before the throne. That it doesn't matter what other people think, that we're in love with Jesus. I'm in love with Jesus tonight. I don't know about you, but I love my Jesus. I, I love his presence. I love his church. I love his people. I love his word. When you have an encounter with God, when you have an encounter with him, it changes your perspective on everything. Changes, changes your perspective on everything. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, I hope you all are out there. You can hear me tonight. <laughs> I wasn't sure. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Luke chapter 24. I want to, uh, for, for lack of a better word, do some spontaneous teaching tonight. I jotted down some notes earlier. Uh, we had been in the Miracles of Jesus series, and earlier today I just felt impressed to go a little bit of a different direction. And... Uh, I, hopefully my mic, this mic works okay for y'all to hear. We, uh, my headset mic that helps me keep the mic close to my mouth is broke. Uh, so hopefully this one works well for you guys and you can hear. Uh, if not, I'll scream. I'll, I'll yell really loud. <laughs> Luke chapter 24. I want to take a look at the relationship. Tonight I want to teach on the relationship between the Holy Spirit and Jesus. I want to take a look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives and, and the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of the Father, God the Father, and take a look at this connection, this relationship between the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and His ministry to us, His ministry through us. You know, there was, a, uh, there was an old song, and, and I don't even know all the words because, I, you know, I... I grew up on Gaithers. We weren't allowed to have anything but Gaithers in the house or bluegrass. Anything beyond Steve Green, Gaithers, or bluegrass was sin, and you were going to hell, so I couldn't listen to anything beyond that. But uh, there's an old song called uh, Jesus is My Backseat Driver, I think. There there's used to be a bumper sticker. Well, I, I don't know about you, but I need Jesus to be more than my backseat driver. <laughs> there's a Carrie Underwood sings a song, uh, Jesus Take the Wheel. That, I, that's probably more of the position that I'm in need of. Jesus, I need more than, I need more than a backseat driver. My wife has got that covered. I, need, <laughs> I love you. Uh, I, need, I need somebody to take complete control. 
And uh, so we're going to take a look at the ministry of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father tonight and how they're, those three are one and the, the ministry of, of God to us and through us. Luke chapter 24, and I'm going to start in verse 46. It says, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. This, this is... Let me just pause here at, before we begin verse 49 to set the stage. This is the Great Commission. Jesus is commissioning his disciples to go and make disciples, teaching them all things, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the same time period, if you will. All of this is happening at the same time when Jesus makes the next statement. He says in verse 49, Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Everybody say, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power. So we have here, Jesus is saying from the very beginning, we see the relationship of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He says, don't leave Jerusalem. I am sending upon you the promise. He says, I am sending. Who's sending? Jesus sent. What did he send? Who did he send? The promise of the Father. Now let me explain this because he, he uses this term and we'll, we'll visit this scripture later, but he uses this term in Acts chapter 1. But this term, promise of the Father, we see here this relationship between Jesus and the Father. From eternity past, the Father makes a promise with his Son. Y'all follow? This is so simple. The Father makes a promise with his Son that says, Jesus, if you'll go and you'll be the sacrifice, if you'll go and offer your life as the sacrifice for many, I will restore the relationship that I have I will bring my people back into relationship with me. They'll be able to come boldly into my presence and I will send, I will send the promise, the prom I will send the Holy Spirit. I will send the Holy Spirit upon them. And so we see this connection at the very beginning of, of eternity past. Jesus and the Father have this promise that if you'll go and you'll restore this relationship Jesus, how many of you are tracking with me? Jesus came and he died on a cross, not that cross, but he died on a cross. He offered his life, gave his life as a sacrifice. And as a result of that, because of the blood that was shed, we can come boldly into the presence of God. Our relationship with the Father has been restored. And the, the presence of God in our lives is through the person of the Holy Spirit. Y'all follow? So the, the Holy Spirit is... Obviously, he is a person that, the, that Jesus sent. In John chapter 14, Jesus said this in verse 16. John chapter 14 and verse 16, he says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you... I pray that... I'm waiting for you all to catch up with me on the screens, because I want everybody to see this. John 14, 16. I don't know if they all have that. John 14, 16 says, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Everybody say another helper. I will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Now that term another helper is this, allos 
Paracletos. How many of you have heard this before? Allos Paracletos. In other words, I will send, the word allos in, in Greek is the word, I will send another of the same kind. There's, there's heteros and there's allos. Heteros is the same, uh, same but uh, different. And then allos is the same. It's like um, saying this is, this is a pew and that's a pew. It's one of the same kind. This is a pew and that's a chair. You can still sit on both of them, but they're different. Does that make sense? And so Jesus says, I- I'm going to send you another helper. He is going to look and operate and function in your life just like me. He's another just like me. Paracletos, the best interpretation for Paracletos is the word advocate. That you will have another just like me and he will be an advocate for you before the Father. He will stand in the gap for you between you and the Father. He will be the go-between, if you will. He will be your counselor. He will be your helper. He will be your comforter. There's there's a lot of words that that Paracletos term translates into, but the the most uh, vivid one and the uh, most widely accepted is advocate. He says, Jesus says, I pray. So Jesus is the one asking the Father to send the Holy Spirit. So again, we see the connection and the relationship between Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Y'all tracking with me? Making sure you're all out there. Some of you have these blank stares on your face. Like, what are you talking about? So I'm just making sure you're still with me. So Jesus said, I pray that the, that the Holy Spirit, the Father will send the Holy Spirit. And then he says, that this is of the Father. I'm asking, I'm praying and asking who? I'm asking the Father to send the promise. So we see this relationship at no time. In other words, what I'm, what my point here that I'm making is that no time, at no time is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in conflict. And at no time are any of them offended by each other's ministry. They are all separate, yet all one God. They all have distinct functions, but all are the same God. And that's important for us to understand as we move along tonight. If you go with me to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. And I'm going to start in verse 7. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Now, Jesus has just washed the disciples' feet. In just a little while, he's going to be arrested. He's going to be led away, and he's going to be crucified. And before he goes, he's teaching them, and he's telling them, it's to your advantage that I leave. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, if I were one of the disciples at this time, and Jesus starts telling me that he's leaving... And he's sending someone in his place. My thought, as well as the disciples' thought, was that Jesus was going to uh, reestablish his kingdom on earth. He was going to do away with the Roman rule and establish his kingdom. So they're looking for earthly king. And Jesus is saying, that's not me. I'm leaving. I'm not establishing an earthly kingdom. My kingdom's not of this world. And he, he goes on to say, it's to your advantage that I go. And he explains why it was to their advantage. He said, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, the paracletos, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he, was, when he has come. Now, so the first thing he says 
is I'm going away. It's to your advantage that I'm going away because when I leave, I'm going to send another. Remember, Alice Paracletos, I'm going to send another just like me, and he is going to be in you. He's going to be with you. And now he tells us what the Holy Spirit's job is in relationship to him leaving. He tells us what he's going to do. He says the first thing is he's going to convict the world of sin. And he explains that later. He said because of sin, because they, they don't believe in me. He said, so the Holy Spirit is going to come, and the first thing he's going to do is going to convict people of sin because they don't believe. And so we see primarily, how many of you remember when you got born again, that there is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You have the reality of your sin. You have the reality of Christ uh, being a Savior. All of those things uh, were a result of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen. The second thing he says here is, I will convict the world of sin and of righteousness. He qualifies that later. He says, he says, because, 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 because I'm, I'm not going to be here. You want other words. The Holy Spirit is going to help you continue on to live this Christian life. He's going to help you look like me. I'm not going to be here. So the Holy Spirit in you is going to convict you of righteousness so that you'll live as I lived, that you'll remember the teachings that I taught you and the meanings of those things. And so it's not, uh, so the Holy Spirit in you is going to con continue to convict you. So there's conviction that starts when we get born again, and this conviction continues on into righteousness, that we're convicted of living a righteous life. And then he goes on and he says conviction of judgment. And the, the qualifying statement that he says there is um, because of the ruler of this world is judge. In other words, that we are, we are convicted of judgment or we are made aware of the justice of God towards sin. That we know that as believers, we have a future hope. The, this, the ruler and of this age, the ruler of this world, the enemy, the devil, is judged. And we have a future hope in Christ. That we, we have a, a recognition of justice of God on the sin of the world. Amen. And so these, this is the job of the Holy Spirit. He's going to come and he's going to convict. He's going to be, uh, secondly, not only is he going to convict, he goes on to say in verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, uh, but you cannot bear them now. Well, what all, what all do you have left to say? And who's going to tell me these things, Jesus? You have, you have a lot of things to still discuss. Whose job is it to make those things aware, uh, make us aware of those things? He says, verse 13, he answers. He says, however, he says, I have things to tell you, but I can't tell you them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit's second job outside of convicting, we would say, is that he leads us into all truth. He guides us and directs us into all truth. And he goes on, he says, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you of things to come. He will, 14, he will, verse 14, he will glorify me. So the Holy Spirit's job is that he glorifies through his ministry, through the things that he tells us, through the conviction, through his, through his ministry, the Holy Spirit glorifies the Son. So you can see Jesus and the Holy Spirit are not in opposition to one another. The Holy Spirit, how do you know? In, John, in 1 John, we talked about uh, a few weeks ago, how do you know whether it's a, the spirit of the world or how do you know if it's, a, if it's God? Well, does it glorify Jesus? Number one, does it glorify Jesus? Well, the Holy Spirit's ministry glorifies and will always glorify Jesus. 
Amen. So he goes on, he says, he glorifies me and he will take what is mine and declare it to you. That word declare is the word reveals. He reveals to you what is mine. And Jesus goes a step further and say, all the things that the father that are of the fathers are mine. So he makes a connection. Everything that Jesus has is the fathers and everything that the fathers has is Jesus. It goes both ways. And the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal those things to us. So what does this look like practically? Well, in your life, this is why we emphasize and and talk about the Holy Spirit's ministry. Most churches in our day have forsaken the power of the the Spirit-filled life. And the Spirit-filled life is the Jesus kind of life. The Spirit-filled life glorifies Christ. It is a life full of power. It's a life of conviction. It's a life of challenge. It's a life of transformation. It's a life of truth. You You can't live in the shadows with the Holy Spirit. He starts to guide you into the truth and he convicts you and he transforms you. It's a spirit-filled life. And that's what, this is why it's so important. This is why we teach these things uh, is because uh, we want you, as your pastors, we want you to be made fully aware of everything that the Father has for you. We want you to know and be fully engaged in everything that the Father has available for you. How many of you want everything that God the Father has for you? Absolutely. Well, the way that you're going to get there is by relying on and listening to and depending on the Holy Ghost, (laughs) the Holy Spirit. It's absolutely important, absolutely vital. He goes in this. He shows to us his relationship amongst the Trinity. As I said earlier, Jesus is not offended by the Holy Spirit or our mention of the Holy Spirit. They are one God. Just making sure you all are still out there and believe that. We we do believe in the Trinity, do we not? Okay, just making sure that we're all on the same page. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17. Here's some scriptures that, that give you uh, some examples of this relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And so Paul says here very clearly that the Lord functions and operates through His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Genesis chapter 1, it's in the Old Testament too, starting at the very beginning of all things. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 says, In the beginning, who created? Okay, God. One God. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God... Everybody's... Yeah, there we go. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was what? The Spirit of God was hovering... Brooding, it's the same word, the Hebrew word is comparable to the, the Greek word. When Jesus was brooding, as a mother broods, Jesus said uh, that he was brooding over the people of Jerusalem because they were sheep without a shepherd. They needed to uh, be taught and, and, and discipled, and Jesus was brooding over them. It was the same, same Holy Spirit, same word, same terminology. He was brooding over the face of the water. So we see the Spirit of God involved in creation, Second Corinthians Thirteen fourteen says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, 
And the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So again, we see the relationship, the dynamics between Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 5, how many of you remember Ananias and Sapphira? They lied and they dropped dead (laughs) because of their lying. Acts chapter 5, verse 3, Peter said, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price for yourself? And the very next verse, Peter says, you have not lied to men, but to God. So we see the connection of the Holy Spirit being God and the, and the relationship. So their, their ministry is inseparable. You can't separate Father, Son, Holy Spirit and, and, and just, you know, separate them. Their, their ministries are unique. Each has their own, uh, the own, their own part within their Godhead. But you can't say one's God and one's not. Or one becomes offended with the other. Or the one uh, has offense or, or confusion with the other. They're all one God. Okay? I want to read this quote. Now, this will help bring the point home a little bit further of what I'm saying. This is a quote from R.T. Kendall's book, Holy Fire. If you've not read Holy Fire, I would really encourage you to get Holy Fire and read it. I think we have it available at the Resource Center, Uh, but it's a great book. He also has a devotion called 40 Days with the Holy Spirit. But here's the quote. The disciples of Jesus, the disciples of Jesus did not enjoy hearing about the Holy Spirit. It made them uneasy. Today, some Christians feel much the same way. The mention of him makes them uneasy. There can be many reasons for this. In the case of the conservative evangelicals, they sometimes think that the charismatics talk more about the Holy Spirit than they do Jesus or the gospel. So if you feel threatened by the Holy Spirit, is it because you are happily in your comfort zone? Are you afraid of what the Holy Spirit might do to you, what he would require of you, what he might ask you to do? Do you think that you will lose something if you make yourself vulnerable and totally open to him? Are you afraid he will embarrass you? Do you think you will lose your identity? Do you think you might have to change? Yeah. So sometimes we have this great disconnect. Um, You know, someone, not someone, but we've we've had a few people comment. This is kind of the launch pad for this teaching is we've had few, a few people say, well, uh, you talk a lot about the Holy Spirit, uh, but you, you know, someone said one time, you, you know, it's, this isn't all about the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, what about Jesus? And so to that, I have to say, you, you've missed a very vital point. Number one, we do talk about Jesus, but number two, but number two, the Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus. He is the ministry of Jesus. You can't separate them. The Holy Spirit is our empowerment and and our access to the Father in this life. He's with you and I. He sheds abroad. We can talk again. Romans 5.5, he sheds abroad the love of God in our heart. He convicts us. He guides us into all truth. He makes known to us the things the Father has available for us. He, you know, then we step into... Wow, then we step into the Spirit-filled life where we can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, that we can begin to pray in the Spirit, all of these things. That opens up a whole nother avenue, a whole nother uh, world, heavenly world around us. 
You know, you begin to pray in the pray in the spirit. You have your prayer language and pray in the spirit on a regular basis. And then that opens up the door to spiritual gifts. And you begin to you begin to operate in the spiritual gifts, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophecy, all of these gifts that are available to believers. The word the word gifts is the word charisma. They're, they're manifestations of the grace of God and the and the person of God in and through your life. All of these things are absolutely important to the Christian living. You all still with me tonight? This is, this is basic Christianity, but sometimes we miss the importance of the Holy Spirit's ministry in our lives. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 33, we'll take a look, look at this scripture. It was on the day of Pentecost. Peter stands up, he's preaching, he's quoted Joel, and he says this in Acts chapter 2. In verse 33, he says, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father. Who are we talking about? Who, who, who received? Jesus. Who received? Jesus received. Who was exalted? Jesus was. Where was he exalted? To the right hand of God. So Jesus is sitting you know, I, again, I don't understand in Trinity and one God, I don't know what that looks like. All we know is we have a picture from Hebrews that Jesus is the outshining. He's the radiance. He's the rays, if you will, of the Father. That God is the, God is the glory, the, the sun, and Jesus is the rays. And so we, we, we have this picture in Hebrews. So Jesus is sitting there, and what does he do? He has received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told them, don't leave Jerusalem till you receive the promise of the Father. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He says, don't leave until you receive this. Terry in Jerusalem. You, he received the, the promise of the Father. And what did he do? He poured out this which you now see and hear. So Peter's saying that what they saw on the day of Pentecost... The, the, message, the, the, the message that was being preached was a... The, the Bible says when Peter got up, when he stood up, he preached an elevated discourse, the Greek word used there. It's the same. It, it connects that what Peter was doing was he was prophesying. He was operating in the gift of prophecy. He was prophesying and, and quotes Joel as he prophesies. Prophecy always goes back to Scripture, always ties it in Scripture. He's prophesying. So they, he, he equates that to the ministry of Jesus. Jesus has poured out the Holy Spirit, equates that to Jesus. He equates the, the drunken mess, all that's happened, the byproduct, everything that's going on, the praying in the Spirit, the tongues, the worshiping, everything that went on on the day of Pentecost, he attributes to the ministry of Jesus. This is what you now see and hear is what Jesus is sitting in heaven pouring out. So you can't say that the Holy Spirit and the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit is second to Jesus or Jesus is second to the Holy Spirit. They're both of equal value. They're both God. The Holy Spirit is the ministry of Jesus. I hope you're getting that point tonight. So you can't separate the two. First off, we know that Jesus ascended. We get this from this verse. If Jesus was going to be exalted to the right hand of God, he had to ascend. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait again in Acts. Luke records it again in Acts. But to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. So Jesus had, again, said, Don't leave Jerusalem 
you know, if Jesus says, if it's recorded twice, and if Jesus says, don't leave, I, I would imagine that it's pretty important. I would imagine that it's pretty valuable. Now, they, they have the same ratio that probably many churches in, in today's society have. 500 heard the message and only 120 were there when they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So, so it's obvious there is a disconnect uh, from day one. From day one, there's a disconnect on the importance of the power of the Holy Spirit. It obviously, the ministry of the Holy Spirit obviously makes people uncomfortable. They didn't want to wait. They didn't want to pray. They didn't want to have to look at each other for, you know, all that time. Say, oh my goodness, how I get stuck in this church with you. Oh my goodness, I can't believe. Why would God put me here? I'm hitting the road, Jack. I can't do this. What, you know, who does Peter think he is? You know, they get offended with leader. Whatever the reason is, they didn't, they didn't stick around. And oh, what a problem that must have been for that person that was the last of, you know, like the 499th person that left. And then all of a sudden, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came. So Jesus ascended. He said, don't leave. He was exalted in Hebrews chapter 1. This is the scripture I was referencing earlier. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. In these last days, he has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance. So here we see Jesus. He, is the, he speaks to us. How does he speak to us? He speaks to us. Well, we've already established that. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. Paul reiterates this in Romans when he says that the Holy Spirit bears witness. I shared this on Sunday. The Holy Spirit testifies and bears witness in our spirit that we're sons and daughters of God. So how does Jesus speak to us? He speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. We talked about that on Sunday. He speaks to us through his written word. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit makes the word of God alive and real to us. So he says in verse 3, Hebrews says, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. So God the Father, God the Son. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says, have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in Christ Jesus who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. So we're talking about Jesus. Being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason also God highly exalted who? Jesus, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So Jesus was exalted. Verse 10 of Philippians 2 says, so, that it, so at that name, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So Jesus was exalted. He ascended. He was exalted. And this scripture also says that Jesus, he received something. He received the promise of the Holy Spirit. That word received in the Greek is the, I'm not quite sure where those scriptures are, but pay no attention to the, to the woman behind the screen. <laughs> um, Romans, in, in, uh, in this scripture, it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 33, the word that's used 
is the word lambano. Now, if you've, you've heard us teach on this at all, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 is talking about the Holy Spirit's ministry. And this is what Paul says. He says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we ought to pray. We do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That word helps is the Greek word. It's a combination word. Soon anti-lambano my. So the same word that Luke uses in Acts referencing Jesus receiving the Holy Spirit is the same word, again, that Paul uses. We're making a connection here that Paul uses in Romans, soon anti-lambanamai, you will receive help. That word help, is a, it's a very picture word that the Holy Spirit comes. He's like a lifeguard, and he comes when we're drowning out in the middle of the ocean. The Holy Spirit comes, and he wrestles with us until we get to the place of safety. He comes and strives with us and brings us into a place of safety uh, and meets our needs. Y'all with me? So that's, that's the Holy Spirit's job. He's, he is helping us. So Jesus received from the Father the Holy Spirit and does what? Pours out the Holy Spirit upon us. So the ministry of Jesus is pouring out the Holy Spirit on our lives. In Joel chapter 2, uh, we see this. Luke references this when Peter stood up and he quoted it on the day of Pentecost. It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit, that word pour, I will pour out my spirit. It's the same in Hebrew as it is in Greek. It's different words, but same definition, same meaning, that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind and your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. So we see here the, the, the interaction Hopefully you followed me. I've given you a ton of scripture. Uh, I've given you a ton of scripture, but I I wanted to show you in scripture what we're talking about. When we talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we're not saying that Jesus is left out in the uh, left field somewhere or the Father's out in right field. No, no, no. When we talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The three are one. So there, there is no separation or distinction. Does that make sense? What is our job? What is our responsibility? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. If you go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. So Jesus is pouring out the Holy Spirit. He's still pouring out the Holy Spirit. He's still ministering today. It hasn't stopped you know, that's a whole nother teaching is that the, the, the cessationist teaching is that the gifts and the miracles and the signs and the wonders and all that stopped uh, with the apostles. Obviously, that's not true. You can ask those that got healed tonight if that's true or not. Um, obviously, God's still ministering today. The, the gifts of the Spirit are still relevant for today. The Word of God's still relevant today. Supernatural ministry is still relevant for today. And Ephesians chapter 5 tells us what our responsibility is as believers. Uh, Let's start, Ephesians chapter 5, let's start in verse 8. It says, For you were once in darkness, but now now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. 
finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Now, this is just setting the stage for what what Paul says here in a moment about the Holy Spirit's ministry. So he's saying that we ought not to partake of darkness. We shouldn't live in darkness that we are to be children of the light. And now he's going to tell us how we ought to do that. Verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Well, I want to be a wise person. I don't want to be a fool. Verse 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. So we know that we're in evil times and there's a redemption of time that has to happen uh, by how we live. If we waste our time, If we waste our effort and our energy, uh, we're living in evil days. I don't want to waste my time and efforts and energy. I want to live a life full of the light and supernatural power of God. Amen. Amen. And so this is what he says. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18, this is how you do all this. Verse 18, "And, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be, and we could take a whole side journey there about alcohol and drinking, but we won't. Uh, Paul covers it. Uh, <laughs> but he says, but instead of drinking, do this. Be filled with the Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit. Now, if I offended you with the drinking, turn that portion off and just listen to what I'm saying here. But be filled with the Spirit. That word, be filled, in the Greek, it's a perfect tense. It means be being filled. So when he says be filled, Paul's saying be continually filled. Keep drinking. Keep receiving. Don't stop. This is not a one-time experience. This isn't a one-time occurrence. Keep being filled. When we first got here, we had several folks that said to us, I've never realized, I've never been taught, or I've never realized that I can pray in the Spirit every day. I just thought it was a one-time occurrence. And I want to tell you that it it is. It's daily. It's moment by moment. It's every day. You You can walk in relationship with the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can walk in relationship. He reveals. Remember, He reveals all the Father has. You might be one day just going about your business, not sure how to handle the situation in life that you're facing. Maybe you're going through a difficult uh, time and you just start praying in the Spirit. You just start allowing God to begin to pray through you by His Spirit. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit will drop into your, into your mind or your spirit man an idea on how to handle that situation or how to handle that person. And then you thought, wow, I wish I, I wish I would have thought of that a long time ago. That's a great idea. And then you, then you implement the idea, and it works. And not only does it work, it's a great idea. Why? Because it's spiritual. It's birthed by the Holy Spirit. It's God's wisdom in you. This is the kind of life that God wants us to live. Why would you want to live any other life? Why would you want to live depressed, discouraged, not clued in, not getting uh, insight from the Father? This is why the Holy Spirit was given. So be being filled, be being filled, be filled, 
Filled? <laughs> be filled. Be filled. <laughs> Just be filled. Live. Why? Why do we have to keep, well, very simply, you and I leak very badly. The more, the more that you're in this world, the more that you're, the more that you, you know, it goes both ways. The more that you're in the world, the more that you need. And the more that you love Jesus, the more that you need. You know, I, I'm not satisfied with where I'm at in Christ. You know, you say that in some churches and they'll laugh at you and they'll scorn you and mock you. What do you mean you're not satisfied? I'm not satisfied. There's more to God. There's more that I need to learn of him. There's more that I need to receive, receive of him. And it's not just because I'm a young preacher. It's because all of us, every single one of us, need to receive more of him. He's an eternal God. There is a, eternity awaits us to discover all the greatness of God. So we've got to keep be being filled. And it goes on. This is the result of that. When you, when you live a life that's full, you can always tell who's, who's drinking and who's not drinking. Yeah. Drinking of the Spirit. Yeah, let me qualify that. <laughs> drinking of the Spirit. You can always tell who's drinking of the Spirit and who's not drinking. You can always tell the spiritual. You know, you can always tell a, a, a physical drunk. You can always tell when someone's naturally drunk, Right? I've been around, you know, we're from New Orleans. We've been out on the streets ministering. You can always tell when people are naturally drunk. And you can tell when people have been spiritually drinking. There are signs. This is the sign, verse 19. It says, speaking to one another, this is what comes out of your life. You're speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You're singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things. Uh-oh, that means you can't be on Facebook complaining about everybody. <laughs> if you're spiritually drinking, that's not the, that's not the, the product of a spiritual, dr spiritual drunk. That's not what comes out. <laughs> Contention and gossip and strife and complaining and backbiting and all those things. It's not listed here. <laughs> it's just the opposite, actually. Giving thanks always for all things. All things. Y'all are getting quiet in here tonight. We started off quiet. You just keep getting quieter. When, when, you're, in that, when you're in that difficult situation or you're dealing with that difficult person, and you really want to give them a piece of your mind or you really, you really just want to be depressed and sit in your bed or lay in your bed and not talk to anybody and stay home and not have fellowship with anybody. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When you begin to spiritually drink in those moments, you, you begin to pray in the spirit, you begin to worship and, and begin to sing out the song of the Lord over your life. What happens? You're giving thanks to God in all things. You're not gossiping and complaining and grumbling and, and all those wonderful things. You're pressing into God. Wow, what a, what a novel idea that we could press into God and receive from God, and be transformed. Because in that moment, when you're instead of complaining and in and, and, and facing that situation in the flesh and in the natural man, in the arm of the flesh, you're now putting on Christ. You're now seeing things as Christ sees them. You're now worshiping and, and not listening to the garbage of the world. And you're being transformed in the process. So instead of trying to change yourself and fix yourself, pray in the spirit. Have a good spiritual drink. Have a big drink. 
if the more messed up you are, the more you need to drink. If you, you know, we, we tell people all the time, if you've got an addiction or a problem or an issue in your life, you need to drink and you need to be in the prayer line and have hands laid on you. You need to put yourself in a place to be influenced by the spirit of God every way you can. How many of you know if you've got cancer, you're going to do everything within your power to treat that cancerous tumor in your body? You're going to go to, it doesn't matter. You're going to find out if there's a way to treat it. You're going to find the way to treat it. Well, the same is true spiritually. If we would do that in our natural body with natural disease, why would we not do likewise spiritually, right? And take care of ourselves spiritually. I think you all got what I've what I'm saying tonight. So our part is to be being filled, to receive all that God has for us. And the outflow of that is supernatural ministry. It's, it's being transformed. It's looking like Christ. And as a result of that, people get born again. People are changed. When, you, when you're pressing into God and you're, you're drinking spiritually, then the spiritual gifts begin to flow freely in your life or more freely in your life than they would otherwise. And, and you begin to see people different and you begin to minister to people. And instead of being a grumpy old Gus, you're now ministering to people out of compassion and love. You're not tearing them down or, or, or beating them up. You're seeing them through the eyes of compassion with Christ. When you're going through those difficult places in life, the, the Father is revealing by the Holy Spirit to you His plans and His purposes in those situations, and you're no longer having to fight over that. You're yielding. You're learning to yield to the direction of the Father instead of fighting Him on everything. You know, why does everything have to be such a struggle with God? No, really. Why, why do we have to put up such a fight and such a struggle? Sometimes as believers, we, our, our testimony about fighting God and struggling with God sometimes is greater than our yieldedness to God. We have to, we got to tell everybody why, why we put up such a fight and look at it, everything. I fought God on this. I wrestled with God and I had to wrestle this through and fight this. Why don't, stop. <laughs> just stop. Why, why can't you just yield? Just drink. Just drink. Just have a spiritual drink. Just have a big, big spiritual drink. And you'll find that you are much nicer of a person. You find that you're much more pliable in the hands of God because you're yielded. You're much more pliable. And when the preacher's preaching, you're not griping and complaining. Oh my goodness, he's stepping on my toes again. I can't believe he's talking about the Holy Spirit again. Oh my goodness. Heaven forbid that we preach on the Holy Spirit and how to have a supernatural life. I'd rather you stay stuck in your mundane life. Thank God we give you, thank God we give you access to a supernatural life. <laughs> I don't want to be stuck. I don't want to be stuck. I want a full God life. Why don't you stand with me, Grace? Y'all can come back. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> thank you, Lord, that you have sent the promise of the Father. Thank you, Jesus, that we can receive all that you have for us. Lord, I just pray that you would come. Lord, that you would illuminate in our lives the areas, Lord, where we can be more yielded. Lord, where we need to be filled. Lord, help us to be people who drink deeply of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you for it. 
Thank you for it, Lord. You know, the other thought that I'll, I'll, I'll have my third or fourth closing, whatever one I'm on here, uh, that I'll wrap up with this one is, uh, you know, when, when you drink of the Holy Spirit and you have a personal relationship, when you have a personal relationship with God and the, through the, and the Holy Spirit makes that possible, you, be, you begin to encounter the, the realities of God and the realities of heaven and, and you begin to realize there's more to this life than just this natural mundane life. And what begins to happen is you have an expectancy of things to come. When you, you know, when I, when I was a kid, I loved Christmas. Love Christmas time. I, I still love Christmas time. Christmas time is one of my favorite times of the year for many reasons. But when you see those presents around the tree, you see those presents, you, you know, they're wrapped and all the goodies. What happens? You have an expectation of things to come because you see when you have an encounter with Christ, the more that you live with him and walk with him through this Holy Spirit relationship, expectancy increases in your life. You no longer, you're no longer settling for status quo or how things are because you know the reality of what, what's available. You've tasted of things to come. You know there's something greater than where you're at. And so you, you come to church. Oh, I can't believe I don't have to go to church again. Oh my goodness, I gotta go church and my kids and my house and my this. No, you. I can't wait to get in the house of the Lord. I can't, I, I, with I, David, I joined the ranks with David, said, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. I'm excited. I believe God's got something great in our happening in our church. I can't wait to get to church today. I got a word for somebody today. I'm going to find, I, hey, listen, I encourage every one of you to come to church with a word from God out of scripture, not a goofy word, a Bible word for somebody. Come to church ready. Who am I going to pray for today? Who am I going to lay hands on and pray for today? Who am I going to give a word of? It's not just about, we will take time. I promise you've been in our services long enough. You know, we take time. We just did it tonight. We take time for you to minister to one another. You, it's going to happen. So come ready for it. Come expecting, come expecting, come ready. See what God's going to do. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so awesome.